I'm going to be reading from, actually, I'm just going to fix my step stool. It's a little too far away from the uh, pulpit right now. That's better. <laughs> you did move it multiple times. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to be reading from 2 Peter 3, verses 1 to 12. So we'll read that now, and it will be on the screen behind me. Oh, thank you. I can see my notes now. <laughs> All right, and it reads, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they, are, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was uh, deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and, the, and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. So continuing our series on the seven virtues in opposition to the seven deadly sins. Today we're talking about patience, which given the state of the last few years seems like a really good and relevant topic. In the best of times, cultivating patience is something that we struggle with. Which is funny, given the many opportunities that we have to practice patience. Our struggle with impatience, it ranges from very small things to very big things. Think of things like waiting in a slow line, waiting for the light to turn green, waiting for the next payday, waiting for a home, waiting for war to be over. There are so many examples that we have to practice patience, and yet we still struggle. Because as a society, we are in a hurry. We have fast food, high-speed internet. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. I think about even, even the small things in my life that as I'm just scrolling through social media, scrolling from post to post, not even really taking it the time to read to the next one. If a video is more than a few minutes, no. Waiting for ads to finish, definitely no. I don't want to see the video that badly. I don't have the patience to wait through it. Skip to the next one. But during these last few years of COVID, it has been a time that has really tested all of our abilities to be patient people. From not knowing how long lockdowns would last, when would vaccines be released, 
When would restrictions be lifted? Being able to gather with family, having weddings, funerals? When would things finally be back to normal? Just waiting. And even now, when things have finally started to head back down the road of normal, these past few years, they've been a great example of how we have or have not cultivated the virtue of patience. We can look back at these last few years and we can reevaluate how we reacted during these uncertain times where we had to wait, where things were not on our timeline. What was your reaction? Were you able to be patient and wait with God and trust in him and trust his timing? Or were you disheartened? Were you angry? So the topic of waiting and patience, it's found throughout scripture. For God's people, waiting was not a new thing. And the thing that I found really interesting this week as I was looking into this topic is that patience opposes anger or wrath, which seems very clear to me now, uh, but it wasn't something that I would have immediately made the connection. If I think opposite of patience, it's just impatience. I don't really think about what impatience is. So it was really interesting to me to really have that connection with anger. And often, when God's anger is being spoken about in scripture, the Hebrew term literally means long of nose. And this is because the common biblical Hebrew way to describe somebody who's angry is to say that their nose burnt hot. And they use this phrase because it describes how anger affects one's body. It describes the physical experience of getting angry, especially your face, which gets hot with anger. But if we look to the opposite of this, a patient person would have a long nose, meaning that it takes a really long time for their nose to get hot, which I found a very interesting way to describe that. So we see in scripture the anger of God when people oppress each other and ruin his world, but he's always patient or slow to anger. He gives people time and he gives people many, many chances. Examples within the Old Testament, we see God's patience in action. While some may come away from reading these stories in the Old Testament and see God as judgmental or harsh, the fact is, is that God was incredibly patient Yes, there was judgment, but God's patience is clear for us to see. We look at the people who lived on earth in sin and were destroying themselves. God commissioned Noah to preach for 120 years in an attempt to save people before he sent the flood. In the book of Judges, it describes the time in Israel where they had no king and everybody did what they wanted. And it was only after they had completely rejected God over 600 years later, that God allowed Israel to be destroyed. God's patience is infinitely larger than our own. God's patience is part of who God is. And this is a characteristic that we want to implement in our own lives and be transformed to be more like God. So if God's anger is slow, what does ours look like? And how does it differ? So anger, it can be a legitimate thing. Like God, like God's anger, our anger is often in response to something that we perceive to be wrong in the world, whether that is a legitimate wrong, like injustices, or something less legitimate, like the person in line is taking too long. And we want to set that wrong right. And we should feel anger at injustice. But Patience allows us to direct that anger towards justice and love rather than anger and wrath. We aim to become like Jesus who was angry without sinning 
when he came face to face with unbelief, hypocrisy, and injustice. And we find many scriptures that warn us that anger can become outrageous. It can stir up strife. Proverbs 29:22 says, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Further along, or earlier it says, mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away from anger. And we feel like our anger is justified, but it often becomes out of control and it consumes us. And where we get into trouble is when anger turns into wrath and action. We hurt those around us, and typically our response is an over-response that is what is needed. Just think of all those stories of road rage that turn very violent. That is an example of an over-response, and that's where we get into trouble. So waiting is something that we have a lot of experience with. And we're not alone. We can see it throughout scripture. We see David waiting to become king. We see Israel waiting for the Messiah. You see, Abraham and Sarah had to wait for God's promise. God told Abraham that he would make him into a great nation when he was 75 years old. And then Isaac, the child of that promise, was born 25 years later. And that is a pretty long wait from our perspective. And it wasn't even until another 215 years after God's promise that Jacob, the son of Isaac, went into Egypt with his family, only numbering 70. So not exactly a great nation yet. And then after 400 years, Jacob's descendants were over a million, but they were slaves. They owned no land. Finally, after 700 years had passed, Israel finally took possession of that land that was promised. The list of examples goes on and on. Patience and waiting, they're scattered throughout scripture. And in these scripture, we see that God's people, they had to learn to wait with God in that present moment. Because the past with its regrets is gone, and the future, it's out of our control. And in this waiting, we can learn how to let go of control and trust that God is good and has everything in his hands. This waiting also helps us become more and more like Christ. And that is something that we should always be striving for. It helps us move away from wrath and anger and create a forgiving heart, being happy even when things don't go our way or in the time that we think that it should take. So patience, it's not a passive exercise, but it's about keeping a good attitude while waiting. It's about exercising our ability to forgive and resolve conflict peacefully and show mercy to others as God shows us, because patience is a strength. Now, at the beginning of this, I read from 2 Peter, which is one of the biggest and most important examples of waiting and having patience with God's plan and timing. See, the young churches, they needed guidance on the delay of Jesus' second coming. They were going through the first wave of persecution, and they must have been asking themselves, why would Jesus delay coming when there was such evil running rampant throughout their worlds? And that question, it's not limited to the early church. We look around and we see evil in the world. There's violence, mass shootings, war, brokenness, pain, and suffering. The innocent are oppressed while the wicked prosper. So we're wrestling with the same question that this church was struggling with. What is taking Jesus so long to return and right those wrongs? 
Peter gives them and us two points to help understand how Jesus' delay holds a deeper meaning and how patience is the key. And the first thing is that God's timetable is different than ours. In verse 8, he writes, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. We are so impatient to have our broken world be healed. But God is eternal. His perspective of time is so different from ours. We can see those from the the other examples that I gave you of just God's timetable being very different than ours. And the second point he makes is that God is patient. He wants all to come to repentance before he returns. In verse 9 it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's delay, God is not delaying for any reason. He is being patient out of love. He wants to give everyone the time to come to him in repentance. So on top of these two, these two points, verses 11 and 12 show us how our lives and how we live can actually have an effect on God's timeline. We wait patiently, knowing that God has a perfect plan, and we wait purposely, joining in God's mission to save this broken world. And as we think about being patient with others around us, we also need to keep in mind that God has been patient with us. We are a part of the people that God has chose to patiently wait for before his return, and he calls us to do the same for others. God has not treated us how we deserve to be treated for our sin, and he does this because he wants to have a relationship with us. Because of God's patience, we are given that chance to come to him to confess and receive forgiveness for our sins. Without God's patience, we have no salvation. Ephesians 4, 2 reads, With patience, we are to restore and maintain relationships with one another. With patience, we preserve friendships that would otherwise be lost. So how do we cultivate the virtue of patience? In Adele Calhoun's book, Spiritual Discipline Handbook, she suggests a spiritual exercise of first looking at your life, looking at the times that you end up waiting, times where you needed to practice letting go of your control and see what happens. What comes to mind when you wait and talk to God in those times? This can be a time of waiting with God, or it can be a wasted time in frustration. Let yourself first practice by waiting with these simple things. When you're waiting in line and you feel that anger and you feel that frustration, just take, step back and take a moment. Come to God. Talk to God. See what is happening in those moments, because the more you do those with those little things, the more you gain that that patience with the larger issues. So things like not interrupting people, letting them speak before you, asking God in that moment to help you listen more deeply so that you can respond with grace and love. Choose the longer route home. Write a letter and send it via snail mail. Take the time to eat a slow meal. Speak to God and address that anger you feel when waiting makes you feel frustrated instead of acting on that anger. And sometimes it's not even the things around us that cause anger, but feeling like God is not moving as fast as we would like or that he's not doing anything at all. We need patience because often we just don't understand God's time and plan. Patience clearly does not come naturally to us. 
And like all the other virtues that we've been talking about these past couple of weeks, we can't cultivate them alone. It will not be something that happens instantaneously as much as we would like that. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit into our lives to guide us and transform us. And this needs to be a constant thing. We need to constantly be coming before God and asking him for his help, asking him to guide us, to transform us. So we have a choice. We can let waiting turn us into demanding, angry people, or we can embrace waiting with God. And we can take the gift of a mellow, forgiving heart. When we choose anger or wrath, it makes more of a mess than it fixes. And it takes more of our energy and it takes much longer to try to undo the damage that it causes. And sometimes that damage cannot be undone. As we cultivate the virtue of patience, we show the trust that we have in God's power and love. And like J.R.R. Tolkien's character Gandalf, who says, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. God's timing is always right, and God is always in control. Let's come before God now in prayer. Father, help us be more patient. Show us the areas in our lives in which we have turned to anger and wrath and help us turn away from them. We are an impatient people who live in a fast-paced world. We need your spirit to guide and transform our hearts. As you have been so patient with us out of love, we strive to be more like you and be patient with others and be patient with your timeline. We don't always understand everything and that is a struggle for us. Help us to let go of that need for control and rest in your perfect timing and power. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.